What's up, everybody? This is Kind of Funny Games Daily for uh, Friday, October 17th. I'm your host, Imran Khan, and joining me today is Mr. 30 Under 30, the one and only Tim Geddes. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I appreciate how quiet you are to, compared to Greg <laughs> Miller. We had to send Greg all the way up to Canada right now just so I don't need to hear him screaming in my ears in whatever character he feels like being that day. I appreciate you very much. Yeah, Greg does not actually realize there's a microphone and it's a functioning microphone. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need to yell for everyone to hear him. No, he doesn't. I guess guess you're not the only... Because if you're 30 under 30, that Mm -hmm. means there's 29 other... There's actually hundreds of others. Like, <laughs> it's such a marketing gimmick, but you know what? I'll fucking take yeah, it. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? That'll be our secret. I think we had that discussion. Like, we saw each other at E3 this year, and I was like, yes. you should just get it tattooed onto oh, your yeah. neck or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I would, knowing <laughs> me. <laughs> this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live, right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, where we run you through all the nerdy video game news that's fit to listen to. Mm-hmm. If you're watching live, you can connect... Correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Not going to happen today. To be part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where bronze members are above get to write in, and silver members are above get to show ad-free. Everything yeah. that comes out of Tim's mouth, truth. True. Yes. It becomes true. Like, he can try to lie, but then reality will just warp around it. What you gonna do? If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, or listen later by searching th- for Kind of Funny Games Daily on podcast services around... The Globe. Mm-hmm. Today's stories include Fallout 76 is delaying the announced NPCs, Call of Duty is eschewing loot boxes this year, and the Switch port of Tokyo Mirage Sessions is making some fans unhappy, and more. Love the use of eschewing. Eschewing, yeah, the we gotta use that like, day. we gotta use that eschewing. SAT word. <laughs> but a little first, a little housekeeping this weekend, as in starting tomorrow, this Kind of Funny is taking Toronto, EGLX is Saturday and Sunday, you can check it out at kindoffunny.com slash events. Tomorrow, Saturday at 12.30, there's an autograph session. Saturday at 7.30 is a Smash, Bro- Smash Brothers Royal Rumble on the main stage. And Sunday at 11 a.m., the Kind of Funny panel is g- also on that same main stage. So if you ever want to see Andy, Greg, or Nick, and you are in the Canada area, mm-hmm. you should go through. Yeah, absolutely go bother them and, mm-hmm. like, tell, like, feel free to tell Greg he sucks. It's, Please do. Also, well, bring Nutter Brothers. Don't yeah. bring Nutter Butters. No, no, no more Nutter Butters. <laughs> unless they're plastic. I don't know the origin yeah. of that inside joke, but I I have friends who have gone to kind of funny meetups, and they've been like, I, I got to bring Nutter Butters. Or, yeah, it's a whole thing. Okay. I'll show you the KFAF bit later <laughs> to change your life. Extra Life is Saturday, November 2nd, 24 hours of games for charity. That is coming up soon. That is, yeah, that is only a couple of weeks from now. That's going to be fun. You're hanging out with us. That day, right? I, I will definitely be there. It's Hell a, yeah. Like, I have some other extra life commitments as well. Too many lives. Yeah, I have too many extra lives and mm-hmm. too many charities and good causes. Mm-hmm. Too many big kids out there, you know? Yeah. Join us now. You can join us now or at kindoffunny.com says extra life to watch on the day. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack and Mohammed Mohammed. And today we're also brought to you by Brooklinen. Manscaped and Escape the Invasion, but Tim mm-hmm. will tell you about that later. Yes, I will. Mr. Adman. For now, let's begin with what it is and forever will be the Rober Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We got five stories today. A big does First of all, Call of Duty Modern Warfare will have a battle pass instead of loot boxes. Okay, this is okay. from IGN by Matt Kim. Activision and Infinity Ward are doubling down on their commitment to not have loot boxes in the upcoming Call of Duty Modern Warfare with the announcement that it will instead be a battle pass. 
The new system is almost identical to other Battle Pass systems found in games like Fortnite. In a newly published blog post, Activision announced that it is introducing a new Battle Pass system, not a loot box system, to Call of Duty Modern Warfare. This news comes after Infinity Ward announced the studio is not developing a loot box system for Modern Warfare, despite rumors and leaks suggesting otherwise. A Battle Pass is a system where players can earn rewards by playing the game and completing in-game objectives. The more objectives players complete, the further they progress through the Battle Pass, the more rewards they unlock. Unlike a loot box, a Battle Pass usually shows that players show what rewards players are on track to unlock, and this will be the case for the Modern Warfare Battle Pass as well. The new Battle Pass will allow players to see the content they're earning or buying, Activision writes. Battle Passes will launch time to new post-launch live seasons, so you can unlock cool new Modern Warfare-themed content that matches each season. Activision says the Battle Pass will not be available at launch, but it will arrive later this year. Developers will also be taking feedback into account in just the in-game economy accordingly. This is in response to concern Infinity Ward launch, there will be no loot boxes in the game, and it looks like now it will be Battle Pass system instead. So, this to me feels like they're kind of feeling the fire a little bit over the loot box controversy. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm of two minds of this. On one hand, it's kind of like you can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. You mm-hmm. can call this whatever you want, it's still troublesome. The other side is we have to give them the leeway to attempt to fix the mistakes at the very least right and i think you know looking at fortnite as an example and like really what they've done with the battle pass with rare exception people like that people Mm -hmm. like that system and and find it fair uh for the monetary value that they're getting out of it for what they're putting in Right. right and if call of duty if activision can mimic that in a way for call of duty that doesn't feel um predatory mm-hmm. i feel like that is the ultimate goal we need to allow them to to attempt to do that without scrutinizing every single element of it having said that when you look at it as a whole you do need to decide is this just putting lip- lipstick on a pig right so actually as we get to that frank Furter asked hey good morning imran and tim activision announced yesterday there will no longer be loot boxes in the new modern warfare but instead they will have a free and premium battle pass this can be received as good news to most. It still has people worried that there will be loot boxes down the line. Activision has said on multiple occasions that now that multiple occasions now that there won't be any post-launch, but can we really trust them? There seems to be battle passes in every live service game nowadays, so it is it a cause for worry that Activision will launch another way of buying things in order to stand out from the competition? Thank you for all you do from Frankfurter. It's interesting looking at Crash Team Racing that recently came out, mm-hmm. another Activision game, granted a much smaller, uh, different type of title. Um, but that game launching with very ambitious uh, post-launch plans right. and then initially seeming a little too good to be true, and it turned out they were. Right. There was a ton of these type of... Uh, battle pass under a different name situations where so much time and money was necessary. Sure, you knew what you were working for, but it incentivized you to pay out the ass to speed up the process because it's simply the grind was simply not worth mm-hmm. the the time. Um, but talking to uh, I've been saying a lot of that on the different shows, and people have wrote into me and tweeted at me being like, "Tim, you should go back to Crash Team Racing. Like they have fixed a lot of the issues. Some of it is still egregious, but it's not as straight up horrible as it was and they are fixing some of those things Mm -hmm. i wonder how much of that is them literally kind of 
figuring out how far they can push it. Right. They're, they're trying That's to make it. money. Like, it's a business. They're trying to make money. They're going to want to push it as far as possible without upsetting people because that's going to lose them money. Mm. And that's what it's all about, right? That's what's actually interesting to me about this Call of Duty thing is that I did expect them to do loot boxes, then do the mea culpa of like, we know, we we understand, we hear you. Yeah. We're not going to do this terrible thing and then go, okay, actually, we're just going to eliminate loot boxes and like see what they can get away with. Because honestly, like as much as I love Respawn, they very much did that with Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to see where they could get away with it and the nips and tucks. And, and it's a... It's a difficult discussion because, like you said, they're trying to make money, and to a degree, that's completely necessary. Because how do you run a live service game if you're not making the money off of it? In the per- in a perfect world, there is a balance. There is a place that they find that allows them to maximize money that they're making, money that people are giving that doesn't feel wrong on either side. Mm-hmm. People that are paying feel like they're getting quality content. They're using that money to support the game adequately, but also to make the money for whoever needs the money to be able to green light the next thing and whatever it is, right? There is a balance there. That number has to exist. That's why video games are a business, is that people want to pay to play them, and it's going to continue that way. But there needs to be that line, and I feel like we're never going to find that. I don't think we're ever going to see a game that has that perfect balance hit because we've seen so many examples of it done incorrectly and correctly but by the time it's done correctly there's some new thing we're battling Mm -hmm. i mean it's always a game of push and pull and it's like it's i don't to answer frankfurter's question i don't trust activision necessarily oh i don't at all that said i don't think my trust for that like distrust for them it means that they're going to add loot boxes i think they're going to push the battle pass thing as far as they can go because the battle pass is only cosmetic items. Mm-hmm. If you play through that game, like you don't have to really worry about buying the free or the uh, premium battle pass at any point, because it's just if you want your character to look different, then you have these options. But I feel like it's going to get into that one of the situations where, as you do the battle pass, the cosmetic items for the premium one are going to get way, way better. Mm-hmm. So it is going to start encouraging people to play that more or not rely as much on the free pass. And, like, I can also see a situation like they did with Fortnite, and they had to end up apologizing for that. Well, they put items in the battle pass and then later put it as a microtransaction. Yeah. You know, it's, again, it's just a difficult time where it's the same shit, different day. Mm-hmm. Different coat of paint. Where we look back 15 years ago when map packs were first a thing, and it, that was such an exciting idea. It was so crazy that we're going to get new maps in Halo 2. Yeah. You know? But then all of a sudden that broke the online game because not everybody had them and it turned into this thing where not enough people were playing those maps and if they were it split the fan base to be the people playing just normal Halo 2 or the new maps and all of a sudden it just didn't feel like one cohesive title right and I feel like we've now had decade and a half of pushing through that and figuring out how to iron that out and we're at a point now where if there is dlc map packs that are uh like paid Mm -hmm. people get super upset they're (laughs) like no and it's like that's cool but that took time right and i feel like with every aspect of these type of paid situations we need to go through those those hurdles to Mm -hmm. understand the best way to to adapt stuff but then we look at this with like exclusivity where you know games being exclusive on this console or this console used to just be the norm of like a good thing and it was just like oh yeah like that's what makes xbox special that's what yeah. makes gamecube special that's why we're able to rate libraries of games and like it's harder to do that today because totally. you just have to rely on like first party exclusives to talk about it but now we're at this point with epic game store versus steam and those type of problems that are now 
you know, not user friendly. And it's just like that is becoming a bigger conversation than the games themselves in a lot of the cases. It's just the, the conversation becomes about the exclusivity deal and what that and how that affects X, Y, and Z, right? Right. Moving more than that, it's like recently we were talking about Call of Duty with the modes that are tied behind uh, PlayStation versus Xbox and all that stuff. And it's just like there are still mistakes being made mm -hmm. constantly, even though some of those things we've been dealing with for years. So they shouldn't continue to be made. The point that I'm making is we're going to continue to see this. And I think that we're going to continue to see it, especially with Call of Duty, the biggest fucking game ever that's on every platform. They are the ones that can kind of poke the fence and then punch the fence and then kind of line up like lay on the fence for a bit and like right. really kind of see like, all right, we're resilient. We can kind of deal with a bit more than some of the other guys can. And that's going to make Call of Duty look more problematic than... Uh, most games, mm -hmm. right? But I also think that they're going to be the ones kind of pushing things forward. The crossplay is a good example of that, right? Yeah. Other games have done crossplay first. Call of Duty doing crossplay means that the wall is now pushed down and everybody right. is expected to have it. I, I agree with you. And I also think that, like, Activision. This the reason people are suspicious about this one is because of the reputation. So they could rebuild that reputation and actually 100%. be like not necessarily a pro consumer because no publisher is ever going to be pro consumer. Yeah. They're going to be pro consumer money, whatever that means is going to be be different in terms of how we feel about it. But I think if they keep doing things like this, if they keep saying like, "Hey, we're not going to do loot boxes for our biggest game," mm -hmm. then they can start to rebuild that trust and relationship. How they choose to break that at some point is going to depend on how the market moves and how the consumer movement moves and all that. But I can foresee a situation in the future, not necessarily guaranteed or any or anything like that, that Activision is one of the better companies about this because they know that's where the money is going. Well, on top of that, it's where the money's going and it's also where the heat is coming from. So you they don't want to be in the situation EA is after Battlefront, yeah, right? They want to avoid that as much as possible, and especially now with all the shit they're dealing with with Blizzard, which is part of them. It's like they need as much goodwill and good PR as humanly possible, right? right? And hopefully looking at Epic as an example with their Battle Passes, they're going to have Battle Passes that are adequately worth it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Battle Passes are essentially, they're an end run around the thing that publishers actually want, yep. which is to give you a subscription service to their game. Totally. So this is their way of saying like, hey, it's not a subscription service, you're choosing to buy this or not, but it is essentially like it's a loot box that's mailed to you. Every, not loot box like loot box, but loot yeah. box like the mailing service yeah, yeah, yeah. sent right, to yeah. your house every month. Yeah, which I think is a beautiful thing. I think that that's good. You should want to support something that you love, that you want to continue playing day in and day out. Right. But that thing needs to be worth it. The yeah. moment you start getting shit that you don't want, it's not worth it anymore. And the moment that you're getting shit that is necessary for the experience, then it's going to break the, the user base. And that's when the core thing that you came for is no longer what it was. And I yeah. think that that is the balance they need to find is giving people enticing things that aren't going to change the fundamentals of why they liked it in the first place. Right. Like, at the end of the day, the key to games as a service is not necessarily how you monetize it or that you're monetizing it. It's how you monetize it. Yeah. Like, it is not just a business model. It's also game design behind that business model. That is 100% it. And especially when we've been talking about Apple Arcade so much and seeing the games, and I've been playing a couple of them now, mm -hmm. just the way those games are designed compared to the way that typical mobile games are designed, even if it's the exact same style of game, you can just see how the game is being affected just to be able to make more money, mm -hmm. right? And I feel like that's not a bad thing. 
it just can easily be a bad thing when you let that balance kind of shift one way or the other. And that's where alternate forms of revenue come in, where that, they, they can only do that because of the subscription nature of Apple Arcade. Right. And with the subscription nature of Battle Passes, they'd be allowed to have a little bit more leniency in not having a nickel and dime you every single where they, every single place that they can. Right. Well, we'll see how this lot like. I'm curious how this works out for them revenue-wise. Yeah. Because if, it, if it's a huge failure, they're never doing this again, going right back to loot boxes. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, it's also Call of Duty is usually the best-selling game every year. This game is a reboot of sorts of the best-selling. One of the most yeah. popular ones, yeah. yeah. Not necessarily best-selling Call of Duty, but like the one you think of with Call of Duty. So hopefully this one actually works out for them. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what's not working out is Uh-oh. Fallout 76 is delaying their NPCs. <laughs> yeah. This comes from a post from Bethesda. And honestly, when I opened this doc this morning, usually I, when I'm hosting, I make the doc. Greg had already made the doc, and he put this story in there and just this story. So I'm guessing this is a shout-out to Greg Miller, mm-hmm. who really wants to talk about this but can't right now. He really wants to like Fallout 76, man. I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a human being want to like a game that people don't like more than this. He <laughs> tried for so long. I remember... Still try. I'll never forget. There's video evidence of this. Watch our E3 coverage of Bethesda's thing where he is like stoked about it. And I'm just like, why? All right. (laughs) All right. But hey, you know, I I like Country Road. I can be. (laughs) I can hear it one or two more times. Yeah. So Fallout 76 has delayed their NPC. So I think it was last E3. Bethesda announced that, hey, we've heard you. We're going to start making quests in Fallout 76 that don't just have humans or uh, like human players, Mm -hmm. but also NPC characters that are like written like an actual Fallout game. So that was supposed to come this year. Today, Bethesda put up a post that was saying, we've been hard at work on Fallout 76 this year, including our biggest free update yet, Wastelanders. We're excited about how Wastelanders is coming together, but it's going to need more time to be the best, most polished update it can be, so we're delaying its release to Q1 next year. Good news. There's no huge games coming out Q1 next year. Yeah, absolutely Definitely not. Definitely nothing to distract you from playing Fallout 76. Certainly not in the first four months of the year Definitely at all. not. We've continued to reevaluate our cha- and change our processes to make sure the work we're doing are- hits our quality bar and yours. We apologize for this delay, but we know it will be worth the extra time. Wastelanders is turning out to be one of the largest expansions we've ever done, and it changes our entire world with human NPCs returning. We'll be sharing more details over time, but here's a first look at some of what's to come in Wastelanders. You can read the full blog post for, like, pictures and all that stuff. But I want to, taking the snark aside, mm-hmm. trying to get a- around the negativity here, I just feel like this is such a wasted opportunity of a game because this could have been right. something special. This could have been something that people really latched onto and loved. And I think all that that would have took is a little bit of patience and not needing a game at E3. I think Bethesda kind of... They panicked. They, they, they hit a point where they realized, oh shit, we're one of the big dogs now. We have to have an E3 press conference. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it every year, and I feel like that works for them because they have enough of a library that they can talk about. Here's the DLC updates to the game that came out last year. Here's a couple VR experiences. Here's some brand new titles to look forward to. But they want that one big. But here's what's coming this year, and here's what you should be excited about because that worked so well for them multiple times. And when it got to this, this was the game. Nobody was really asking for this, which meant they needed to prove why it was worth it more than anything. And as we've seen with the launch, they didn't do that. Right. This game could have been special if instead of it coming out a year ago, it came out next year with mm-hmm. these things from the get. 
That would have made sense. And like, but that's the thing. I think Bethesda got kind of drunk on Fallout responses because like those games have always been a little broken in different ways. And how much that like it depends on your experience of how much a little means. Mm -hmm. But I think they saw that it was not reacting or the initial releases weren't going well, but they put in so much marketing work and pre-orders and all that stuff like, well, we got to release it this year. Mm hmm. So I remember uh, last year, Todd Howard, or not last year, last C three, Todd Howard says, "What would you do differently?" Or someone asked him that. He says, "I would have put this in early access for a year first, mm -hmm. which is the logical thing to do." And this, the thing they're talking about now, should have been, "Hey, when we're ready to launch Fallout seventy six, this is the game. Yeah, this is the the full release game, and that would have made so much more sense. And I feel like people would have accepted it a bit more. Early access is still kind of a dirty word, dirty word, especially on the console side of things. Mm -hmm. But um, that would have been so much smarter and so much more beneficial to them uh, in the situation they're in now, where, honestly, this is a surprising headline, I think, mm -hmm. but it's also not that interesting. It's well, like, yeah. who, who's, besides Greg Miller, <laughs> really that bummed about this right now? Well, I, I don't want to clown on Bethesda for delaying a game for polished reasons. No, they should do that. absolutely not. You should totally do that always. But also, I kind of wonder, do you think something's happening at Bethesda? Because this is apparently having some development trouble. And this would have been a thing they realized before the game launched. Like, oh, we should mm -hmm. start doing working on this thing. But also, Akumi Nakamura left. Yeah. Uh, or left. We don't know for sure. We don't what really the, know what went on there. Yeah. She's still looking for work. And I saw her tweeting uh, uh -huh. being at Platinum Games today. Interesting. That'd uh, be awesome. It would, she, would, she would go back because she was working on Bayonetta and all that stuff originally. But there's also Doom got delayed till next year. So yeah. I kind of wonder, like, all their big games, they were like, they showed this past E3 are now not coming out this year. Here's the thing. I I don't take those things as a bad sign. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, if anything, that is them listening to my advice <laughs> that I just gave, where it's just like, hey, there's no rush on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like Bethesda are a known entity. People like them. People respect them. They got through the Fallout 76 kerfluffle. Did they, though? Like I think that they did in the sense that when it was happening, it felt like they were never coming back. It felt like they were straight up canceled. Like No one is ever going to want to watch or cover a Bethesda co conference again. Like, And then they came back at E3 months later with things to show. But I feel like the answer to that isn't, are they are they good at announcing new games? It's when they show the next Fallout, the next Elder Scrolls, whatever. Are the questions going to be, are you going to fuck this up again? Yeah, and I don't think so because those games, the Elder Scrolls, the Fallout, the, the core Fallout, we got some time on those. And mm -hmm. I think that Doom needs to be good for that to not be an issue, right. right? And I feel like they can take their time. They don't need Doom to come out this year. We don't need Bethesda games this year. Mm -hmm. Granted, next year, it's probably gonna, a lot of those are going to get <laughs> lost in the shuffle. But people are so excited for that that I don't think that that's going to really take away. The people that want to play Doom Eternal are going to play it regardless, mm -hmm. right? And that game just needs to be fantastic. And I, I believe it's going to be. And if they need, them, need more time for that, I think that they're making a very smart call taking it. If they would have put Doom out this year and it's, it was <laughs> fine... I don't think there's a chance Doom Eternal is going to be bad. Right. But if it was just if it was just Doom 2016 again, yeah, then I think that that could that could be more of like a. Eh. But if they come out with some baller ass shit, which I expect them to next year, I don't think anybody's really going to be worried about Elder Scrolls or Fallout come 2022 or whatever. Right. It is. Are you a big Doom fan? 
I like Doom 2016. I'm a mm. big fan of Doom in general, just the style of arcade shooters and stuff. So are you a big Animal Crossing fan? Not at all. Okay, I was going to ask you, which of those two games are you playing that day? I, it would be Doom <laughs> over, over the, the Animal Crossing. I'm going to switch between the two, because I know Animal Crossing is going to do the thing of... You've done all this stuff. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. For, we'll give you more tasks. I'll be like, all right, now I'm just going to switch to killing demons in hell. This might be the, my, the first Animal Crossing that I even give a attempted shot. What was the? What reasons have you never clicked? I just it? look at it. I'm like, this does not look like anything I want to do. It looks like chores. I don't like chores. <laughs> I don't like collecting twigs. I I'd play video games to get away from chores. Why would I? <laughs> Played chores to get away from real chores. Barrett, you're I a banjo like circle shaped people. <laughs> I don't like dogs that play music. That's a lie. I really like. Yeah, dogs everyone that loves play dogs who play music. <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, so okay, okay, no, I can't let you just yeah, fucking disperse we'll, the we'll fucking name one. of Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> I'm just saying, fuck on. Banjo. If we're if we're talking about video games as chores, Banjo Kazooie is pretty chory. No, He's it's right. a fun, it's a fun collectathon <laughs> game. Whereas Animal Crossing, you're literally doing fucking chores. All right. Honestly, that's the games true. are more similar than you would think. I no, that's bullshit. That no, no. All right, we'll we'll no. see what happens see, March twenty. No. March twenty first, we'll see who talks about <laughs> what. Mm-hmm. All right, Persona franchises surpass our Persona franchise surpasses ten million copies sold. This is from VentureBeat by Jeff Grubb. It's taken nearly a quarter of a century, but the Persona series has hit 10 million copies sold. That includes all games in the series, the main Persona role-playing adventures, as well as spin-offs like the Dungeon Crawler Persona Q2. Developer Atlas revealed this milestone in a blog post on its official Japanese Persona website today. It's also revealed that it is planning to hold an event to reveal more about the upcoming Persona 5 Royale, Royal, which is revamped version of the Persona 5 RPG. Royal is due for PlayStation 4 October 31st, and it is certainly going to add to Persona's total sales going forward. Persona is a growing franchise for Sega and Atlas. The game first game debuted in 96 as a spinoff for the Shin Megami Tensei RPGs, but the franchise broke into the consciousness of Western gamers, primarily Persona 3 on PlayStation 3 and Persona 3 Golden. That should say Persona 4 Golden. Get it together, Jeff Grubb. I know you're listening. <laughs> on the PlayStation Vita. Since then, the series has found a larger audience. Persona 5, for example, has surpassed 2.7 million copies sold all on its own. Okay, Tim, how yeah. do you feel about the Persona series? Um, I, I don't care. I have a feeling if I were to jump into it, I'd really, really dig it. Mm-hmm. I like Final Fantasy a lot. I like Pokemon a lot. And pers- and I also like anime a lot. Uh-huh. So Persona seems like it would be up my alley. I also just can't commit to these like super long games. Like yeah. It just like drives me nuts. Um, but but I'm you'll really you'll collect all of the uh, fucking whatevers and Smash Brothers. The spirits and Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Once you collect them, it's a quick 15 minutes every time they add new ones. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> someone, uh, Persona 5 is one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite game of all time, and someone did call me out in shower like, Hey, Pers- uh, Barrett, uh, does Persona 5 have chores in it? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So, See, I'm down for high school me, chores, though. <laughs> you, know? you should go to sleep. Uh, 10 million copies sold. What surprises me is that seems like a low number for the entire franchise. franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when you stop and think about it, like, this just kind of shows how different types of games sell, right. right? A very, very, very Japanese RPG for that franchise to hit 10 million is pretty impressive. Like another thing in this uh, conversation would be like Smash Brothers becoming like the highest selling fighting game of all time mm-hmm. uh, with whatever number. It's like it's not that number's not that impressive sounding, right? Right. But when you think about it, that is still 10 million copies of a game. It's a lot. Well, 10 million copies of a series. Yes. So like yes. the comparison I. Persona 5 did very well. I don't want to take away from that in terms of sales. But like when we talk about niche JRPGs, there's 
better selling niche JRPGs like Nier Automata, even though it released on PS4 and PC and eventually mm-hmm. Xbox One, as opposed to Persona 5. Uh, that game sold better than Persona 5 did, but we don't really give it that level that of credit. Is, that is interesting. I would say, though, like, Nier and this are, are different types of games, right? Mm-hmm. They're both Japanese and they're both RPGs, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're both R- JRPGs. Like, Persona to me is a JRPG. Nier is kind of... There's too much action elements <laughs> for it to be in the same category to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that allows it to sell a bit more. But I'd argue that no one buys either of those games for the gameplay. Uh, mm. I don't know. I would <laughs> argue I, against that. Yeah. Really? I, I yeah. feel like, but I feel like that's why Nier sold more. Is people would look at that gameplay and be like, oh, that looks accessible. Yeah. Whereas like, there's something about turn-based that just really turns a lot of people off right. immediately. Right, and then the next person takes yeah, their turn, and that's why, like, I kind of avoid JRPGs, or I did for the longest time, besides Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And then it was because of the fluidity of the turn-based combat in Persona Five that kept me going for fucking a hundred hours. You know, like that gameplay is awesome. I um, actually, I fucking love turn-based. So, like, this conversation is weird to me because, yeah. like, I love just sitting there and strategizing. Too. Like, I love strategizing what my next move is, what mm-hmm. the turn order is going to be. Like, I went from Pokemon to my first Final Fantasy was Final Fantasy X, and that is as turn-based as it gets. Yeah, like that's the only Final Fantasy game. You're wrong me if I'm wrong about this. That is straight up everything stops until the next person goes. You can set them, uh, the other ones to be like that. Like uh, it doesn't ha- there's active time battle and there's turn based. So okay. you can set it to turn based. But like I loved the real strategy of like looking at the list of whose moves get to go next and like making decisions based off of that. Like, yeah. I loved the strategy there. Um, but then I also love the more fast paced stuff. That actually that is a discussion within like JRPG communities and whatever of like it seems like turn based is taking a back seat these days cuz mm-hmm. Final Fantasy used to be the har- or the the banner holder for turn-based games yeah. and no longer and for is. pushing that forward for like active time battle and kind of changing it up yeah. every, every step of the way. Every game having a slightly different variation on it. You know? And like there's a lot of Final Fantasy VII fans that are just mad about the remake. Yeah. Because it's just not turn-based anymore. Like they, they put that concession mode, but it's not. It's not the yeah. same. Yeah. I'm happy about that personally. That they're, <laughs> it's they're a, I played that up. game at E3. It's fucking amazing. I, I am going to be shocked if that's not my game of the year next year. But yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's... Sales numbers are always so interesting to me. Me and Andrea uh, a couple days ago down in L.A. Uh, when we did the Jedi Fallen Order thing, mm-hmm. no one would be surprised to hear that the two of us got way too drunk for no reason <laughs> and spent hours arguing about Nintendo sales numbers. And it was just the two of oh, us. And there was one dude that works at GameSpot just sitting there listening to us. And he was just like, he was like, why? He didn't say anything. He was just like, why are you guys still talking about this? <laughs> like, you guys know that you weren't on a game And we daily. weren't on a camera. Like, we knew yeah. there was no cameras around us. But, but it was y'all the are same, still fucking arguing about Nintendo. God oh, my God. It. it was ridiculous. You should have gotten the iPhone out and just like... She was saying it. ridiculous things, though, guys. <laughs> like what? It's like... Mario Kart doesn't sell that well. It's what? like 30 million copies on the Wii. What are you? I sell that well. Come on. Okay. <laughs> She's not here to you brought it on, Andrea. <laughs> Hi, Andrea. You can't do shit now. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of turn-based RPGs, Woo. you saw during the last Nintendo Direct, Nintendo announced that Tokyo Mirage Sessions, also a Shin Megami Tensei game, yep. is coming Tensei to the Switch. Well, one of the final Wii U games to need the transfer. There's a couple more, but yeah. yeah. Just at this point, less than a handful. I'd say like 3D World, Xenoblade X, or 3D, Pikmin 3 yeah, is 3D, the one yeah. I'm holding out for. I, Pikmin 3 is the one that I don't think we'll ever get. I think we're just going to straight up get a Pikmin 4 at some point. I think we get Pikmin 3, and that leads to the announcement really? of Pikmin 4. Hmm. The one other one that I'm a little iffy on is the 
uh, Zelda remakes. I I would not be shocked. We <laughs> should get them. Like we should get them right now, Nintendo. Rich George, if you're listening to this, <laughs> do some shit. Someone has finally. told me that like Nintendo has explored that. I don't mm-hmm. know where they like mm-hmm. fell on it. But so Tokyo Mirage Sessions for the Switch. It is based on the Western version with the family friendly changes. This is from Mike Fahey at Kotaku. Nintendo and Atlas's excellent Fire Emblem Shin Megami Tensei crossover for the Wii U underwent some significant changes in its journey from Japan to the West. Character ages were increased, skimpy outfits were censored, and now the Japanese were, now the Japanese get to experience that censorship firsthand, as the global Switch version of Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE is based on the modified Western release. I have a problem with that paragraph, Mike Fahey, and you're a great guy, but I'll take it up with you in a bit. <laughs> According to the official Japanese website for Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE Encore via Silicon Era, coming to the Switch in January, January, the new game is a universal version that adds new elements based on the Western release of the game. Looking through the screenshots presented on the site, these elements include changes to make certain outfits more conservative for Western audiences. For example, the idol outfit for the, for the character Kiria in the original Japanese release was this zipper panty dealio, and she got pants in the real one. There's screenshots in the actual Kotaku story. Other examples include increasing character ages for teenage characters by one year, so characters ranging from 16 to 18, those characters are 17 through 19. Outfits that would show panties during certain camera movements were edited to display a dark void. The biggest change came in the game's third dungeon, which is initially about a swimsuit, and a lingerie, mo- lingerie, and lingerie modeling, but was modeled to or changed to colorful streetwear modeling for Western audiences. So this became a big thing. Where originally when that game no, came out, <laughs> I don't believe you. Do you remember? There's no way people got upset about this. I don't know if you remember the comment initially from somebody that was like, they looked at the changes and were like, not only did they change the pants, they took away her vagina bones. <laughs> that this is what they, they that person actually I thought. Just want, I, I want to reread this sentence. Outfits that would show panties during certain camera movements were edited to instead display a dark void. Right now, that's the. Th- that- <laughs> That, that one sentence, Barrett, is the one thing that I'm like, all right, Nintendo, maybe you should have come up with something better than a dark, dark void. void. Right. Um, I don't have too many too many suggestions. This is weird shit. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to talk about these things because you want to be sensitive to other cultures. Mm-hmm. As I get older, I start to realize that, you know, I'm not right about everything. We're not right about everything. And that just kind of radiates out and out and out more and more and more where it's like other people have different beliefs and do things differently. And that's OK. Having said that, I think that there are certain things that the world as a whole is starting to get on the same page about. You right. know what I mean? And I feel like some of this stuff are some of those things. I feel like if you <laughs> in, if you had a discussion in America of like. How young is too young to be a swimsuit or lingerie model? Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, I think 16 is fine. If you had that discussion in America, it would be like, no, 16 is way too young. That really, it both infantilizes existing models and sex, or what's the word, sexualizes like teenagers, which are both not good things that we should not be doing. So I can see why they changed that. The, Changes to some of the stuff, like you said, the Dark Void. There's a boss that they changed the FMV, so she has, like, clouds around her chest in the FMV. But in the actual game, she doesn't have those. So it's censoring just a scene for no real reason. Yeah. And there's, like, a wedding dress that, like, they censored the cleavage. So, And I'm using the word censorship, even though I know that's the thing I took up with Mike Fahey right here, is that this is not actually censorship. This is not the definition of that word. It is a self 
edited change mm. that whether or not it's changing for a specific cultural reason is not defined as censorship. Interesting. So like if if Nintendo were not publishing this game and they said, "Hey, we're not going to allow this on the system unless you change those things," that, that would, would be, be censorship. censorship. Hmm. Hmm. But you I just got dictionaryed, yeah. bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but I do when people have been like talking about this game for the last like couple of weeks since the like port announcement. I've seen a lot of I can't believe they're using the Western version and not the Japanese version. It does seem like they like the Western version better. If they're putting that in Japan. Mm. That said, Japanese gamers have also been requesting refunds because they weren't they didn't realize it was based on that version. Yeah. So like as a whole it's a Fucking it's a, horn dogs, man. That is a larger topic of hey, I, I'm <laughs> a horn dog. Like here's the thing. Titillating content needs to be allowed in existence. Right. Having said that, titillating content should be designed around the rules of titillation. You, you know what I'm talking about, Barrett? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, the, like Imran's saying, there's a bigger conversation, especially when it comes from the culture of Japan and a lot of the kind of social constructs that happen within Japan that uh, these types of things feed into a lot that is hard to talk about. Um, that's and, that's a, and that's a way bigger conversation. That is, but that yeah. goes back to what I was saying earlier about like... It, the culture conversation at some point goes out the window when we're talking about uh, people's safety and when we're talking about culture, like bro culture. Mm. But instead of what we call bro culture, it's kind of culture that makes people unsafe where they are because mm. they are being targeted and sexualized based on all of this other stuff. And it's like that stuff right. is documented. That stuff is like by the numbers, like it's going to happen and it is being supported. And that I think is Nintendo taking a stand here being like, Hey, mm, mm, we shouldn't be doing that. Like right. we're making mistakes. It happened before. That didn't mean it was okay. Then it just felt like it was okay. Then. Mm-hmm. And I think that these are big steps going forward. It's going to take a long time to figure oh, yeah. it all out, but there are certain things that are okay. There's certain, certain things that are not okay. I mean, not like, it is a like you said. It's an issue of like when things cross the ocean, there is a difference in culture. Like I was told, I told you the other week. I love Dragon Quest Eleven. I'm enjoying the hell out of that game. There was one quest that really bothered me, where you talk to this old guy on the beach. And he says, "I love bunny girls. I want to see a new. I want to see that character Jade in a bunny girl outfit." So you go out, you make the outfit, you come back, and you put her in it, and she is visibly uncomfortable with it. She's like, "I hate this. I don't like doing it." But you get the quest reward, and he's like, "Okay, great," and. I, th- I realized at some point that if they didn't have her hate it, I probably wouldn't have like noted it mentally. Mm-hmm. But like that, the fact that she doesn't like doing it and you're kind of forcing her into it and to get the crest reward makes that situation fucked up. But if you just took like from a Japanese perspective, it is oh this is funny. Yeah, like she's doing this. If you show like. I'm sure there's a Western equivalent that I'm struggling to think of right now that would not be fucked up, but I can't right now. But. From for their perspective, it's like, well, this is just comedy. It's not misogyny, mm-hmm. and I can see why people would have that discussion. And when I po- posted that thing on Twitter, people were like, "Well, what about Western games where you kill a thousand of people, or a thousand people in like ten seconds? Like that's also fucked up for different reasons." And culturally, I can see why people ignore or think something's fine when another culture might hate it. Yeah. That's whataboutism, though. You yeah. know, it's like that gets to the point where it's just like, we're talking about this. Don't bring that up. Right. Because if you bring that up, that's a different conversation, right? It's same thing. I feel like we can replace Fire Emblem, Shin Megami Tensei, Sharp 
FE whatever with mm-hmm. whatever other complicated Japanese game name. I mean, you Persona want to. Five had this problem too, like, and it's gonna have the same issues. It's like these are these are things that are gonna keep happening, and we're just gonna keep talking about them until little changes are made over time. Yeah, this is gonna okay. This is gonna get into a bit of a rant, but Let's this go. kind of thing ruined the anime industry for a very long time, because the way the anime industry works is you have to you don't sign a deal with a network, and then they pay you to create a show. You create a show, then sell it to the network. Or not sell it, but they agree to air it, and that works as advertisement for Blu-rays and merchandise and all that. So after a while, that started becoming unprofitable. So anime studios went, well, let's just make like sexually titillating things or waifus or whatever to get people to get emotionally involved or really into it in different kind of ways with these characters, so they buy the Blu-rays and buy the merchandise, and that's how we make money. So that became the anime industry for a long time. And I've been watching the gaming industry, and it kind of veers toward that occasionally, but for the most part, they know ga- games are much more international products, so they don't yeah. really try to push that. Just Vita. Yeah. Games, you know. so, I mean, that's, honestly, that is one of the reasons the Vita ended up like becoming that console. Mm-hmm. So I think Tokyo Mirage Sessions, for a game so based in Japanese culture, kind of fell into that trap a little bit. Mm -hmm. Which is why when they did end up bringing it to America, even the people who made those changes were like, yeah, we need to change this stuff because this doesn't fly there. Yeah. That was rant over. Nintendo Switch has sold over 15 million units in North America. This is from the gamesindustry.biz by Rebecca Valentine. The Nintendo Switch has sold... A total of 15 million units in North America alone since its launch in March 2017. This number includes both the regular Nintendo Switch as well as the Nintendo Switch Lite, which launched just last month. Unit sales are up over 20% year-to-date as, the end of, at, as of the end of September. A total of 14 Nintendo Switch games have sold over 1 million units, and 4 have sold over 6 million. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, take that, Andrea Renee. The <laughs> Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and Super Mario Odyssey. So far, Nintendo has sold nearly 37 million units of Nintendo Switch hardware worldwide by last count, though the company's IR site has not been updated with this total since July, and just surpassed 10 million unit sales in Europe earlier this month. Nintendo originally set sales targets for the console at 38 million units by March 2019, but missed its projections at the time. This Switch is on fire, Tim Gettys. It's on fire, and it's insane to see 20% uh, year-to-date increase uh, Mm -hmm. in hardware sales, especially because I would argue this is the Switch's slowest year we've seen The first half of 2019 was garbage. Yeah, there was nothing, really. And then, uh, you know, it started off with the big Nintendo game was New Super Mario Bros. U. Yeah, which (laughs) it sold actually quite well. Of course, it's 2D (laughs) Mario. It's going to sell very well. Mario Maker, Astral Chain, we kind of yeah. Luigi's Mansion. Then they released out. like four games Pokemon's in three months. Coming out, yes. Yeah. But those, they're all games that are double A, right? Yes. It's all kind of in this like lesser than title uh, frame. But mm-hmm. I think this is a testament to the power of Nintendo games that no other studio has, where these games are going to sell at full price forever. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and Super Mario Odyssey are going to continue to sell mm. forever. They're going to continue to sell units forever of hardware. That's why it's up 20%. Up 20%. It's not for the new games. It's for people that are like, oh, well, now I can get all of these games Yeah. in one swoop, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a library there that people want to play and will pay for because it's the only place you can play those games. What do you personally think about the fact that Nintendo does not lower prices on their games? I mean, I, I think that the the market's speaking for itself, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you know people are going to continue to buy these games as if they're new games because they are 
worth it. You right. know, they, these games are worth the, the price of not going down. Not to say other games aren't, but I just think that there is a commitment to polish that Nintendo has that we see almost without fail. They also do a lot of things wrong. They do a lot of things really weird. They launch games at way too high of a price. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the game sold well. So again, that's in the market saying like, yeah, we don't care that this is $50 on Wii U. Yeah. Like we're, we're down to play... This, pay 60 bucks for this game with a funky mode. Yeah, oh, funky mode. God damn it, <laughs> Funky Kong. But again, the game's amazing. And it's like, I feel we often talk about what the value of a game is, and mm-hmm. there's no real answer. The value is what someone will pay for it. And it goes back to our original conversation in the show about finding different ways to support the business of video games and like, where is it shady and where is it, where is it not? Is selling Donkey Kong Country Tropical uh, Freeze for more than it originally was in the Wii U shady, you're damn right it is. <laughs> is adding a funky mode just to try to justify it? Absolutely. Does it? No, it doesn't. But is Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze worth $60 as a game? I'd say it is. It's fantastic. The quality mm. is amazing. The polish is unrivaled, honestly, for not just the 2D platformer, but just as an experience as a whole. But what if that game was $20? Yeah, you know, would that be not enough? Like, I, that's the weird thing about pricing in video games. Yeah, and like it's it's a thing to consider. Of like, did the fact that Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze was able to sell so well at sixty bucks on the Switch, like, does that fund m- being able to restart Metroid Prime 4's development w- yeah. at Retro? Like, there's other complications there. I can see from a consumer end being pissed about it. Like, mm-hmm. I waited five years for a Switch. And now I'm going to go play the old games. Why the hell is Breath of the Wild still 60 bucks? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like from a market perspective, from Nintendo's perspective, I understand why they do that. Because they still push these games. And, and, and that goes back to what I'm saying about like this year-to-date increase makes sense to me because you watch Nintendo Switch commercials and they're still showing Mario Kart. Right. They're still showing Smash Brothers. They're going to continue to show Odyssey forever because these games stand the test of time. Like, so many games are designed and are, are marketed in a way as if they're disposable, where it's like we get the, the hype going into it, it comes out, then there's now, in 2019, two splits. We either get the battle, pla- battle pass plan of, like, here's the games as a service thing for this, we're going to ride the DLC out till it stops or whatever, or it's just kind of like, all right, on to the next game. Mm-hmm. You know, out of sight, out of mind. Like, we're just taught as a society uh, with spotify and with streaming services with youtube with all this to just kind of like on to the next on to the next on to the next your favorite artist can put out an album and you listen to it for a week and you're already questioning when's the next when's the next right and i feel video games are getting very close if they haven't already hit that point as well and nintendo are i would argue and again i am a fucking nintendo fanboy i don't care but we're seeing the proof in the pudding here of this working that they commit to their projects and talk about them for years to come as if they still matter because they do. Right. So the number Rebecca puts in here of 37 million units worldwide since like the last updated in July. I was thinking while you're reading this that that means it has already outsold the N64, the GameCube and the Wii U by well Wii U and GameCube by like tons. Yeah, Wii but, U by three times. Yeah, almost. It's like this is most recently above the N sixty four. So Switch is looking to probably be one of Nintendo's most successful consoles. Probably mm-hmm. it's never going to hit Wii numbers. That's mm-hmm. a lot to do. And like we're already verging on next generation. The Wii or the Switch is kind of like a mid generation refresh or not refresh, but like a mid generation entry. So it's going to be interesting to see how it fares with like 
PS5 and Xbox One and all that. Or Xbox Two. True, but here's here's the key thing that I've always been waiting for. Mm -hmm. Is, sure, it's outselling the N64 and the GameCube and the Wii U, which... When the Switch first came out, I don't think any of us expected. I saw people saying, like, oh, it's going to be Wii U numbers. Uh, totally. Yeah. Um, but that was all wrong. Cool. The bigger question to me has always been the handheld market. This, the Switch, when they first were talking about it, like, oh, it's console. You can also take it on the go. No. Now it is both their console and uh, portable right. system, right? And they're marketing that way. The 3DS has been sunsetted. Will it hit 3DS numbers? Will it hit DS numbers? You know what I mean? Like, It'll definitely never hit DS yeah, numbers. exactly. But, like... Where will that go? And I think the key thing to keep in mind is Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Once Sword and Shield come out, the Switch is going to sell so many more hardware units because families, because of people that want to trade Pokemon, people that want to buy both versions to be able to play together and keep right. going. The Switch Lite, it coming out months before Pokemon Sword and Shield. Clearly designed is for that. Brilliant yeah. design on Nintendo's part to sell consoles. And that's going to continue. We're only going to get more and more Pokemon games. We're only going to get more Animal Crossing games. Like, yeah. l let's look at the, the tide turning from the Switch launching. It's a home console. Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, blah, 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 that type of stuff. And now here we are, and it's like Pokemon, Animal Crossing. Like, we're getting those Fire Emblem, right? We're getting these more handheld titles, and I, that's all by design. Mm -hmm. And then the cycle's going to continue. <laughs> Such an exciting time to be a Nintendo fan. When do you think they're going to launch a Switch 2? I don't know. I think it's going to be a while. Mm -hmm. I think they'd be silly to, to move on from it right now. They have so many systems out there that they can sell to, and the attach rate of these games is insane, even for Nintendo standards. Right. So why would they give up on this when they really don't need to? I think I could foresee a situation, not like they'd have to do some marketing to make this clearer, but a situation where they take the iPad model, which are already kind of going into a little bit because like they have that new better battery life switch. Mm -hmm. But like, what if they don't release a Switch Two? They release a this is 2019 or 2020 2021 switch mm -hmm. and it has better battery these games run at better frame rates like they did basically with the new 3ds as well and like yeah. it's essentially a ps4 pro xbox one x kind of thing but they just keep doing that instead of just saying because if if you launch a switch 2 and it's just the switch again but better graphics do you think people are going to care as much i don't know they're kind of in a weird place because i I would argue the Switch isn't good enough when mm -hmm. it comes to third-party titles. It's good enough for first-party, but we, we've seen that it can play third-party titles, but that's never going to be people's preferred place to play them. And if they only have a Switch, it might be where they end up playing these games, but they're still not getting that great of an experience. And I think that until Nintendo's at a better place of like a... Until on a handheld, they, the games can just run... Well, at 1080, mm -hmm. I don't think that they can stop and just be like, we're just going to be iterative from here on out. Like, I think there needs to be one more system that's like, a, all right, we're building the foundation off of this. There's cloud gaming in the skies. Skynet's out there mm -hmm. figuring shit out. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, NVIDIA still does build those new things, like those new Tegra chips, and they mm -hmm. build their own devices with them. So those are constantly improving. So they could just theoretically just hey, we're using that new chipset for the new Switch. It happens to just work better. Yeah. And I, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I can see them never having a Switch, too. Yeah. But, you know, just kind of... 
the generational market has screwed Nintendo more, over more than pretty much anyone else. Mm-hmm. Of like, hey, we're restarting, we're hitting the reset button on this stuff. Oh shit, this one did not work out well, well at all. Well, ever since the Wii, they've been behind. Like that's they made the the concession with the Wii of like you know what it's not about graphics it's about gameplay it's about new ways to play and they went down that route and they were feeling themselves and yeah. then with the Wii U it, they kind of like ate a lot of shit right but uh, yeah made big great games though but a Switch Two mm. Tim yeah might be so far away if I wanted to know what's coming to the mom and grop shops today. Where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today is Pig Eat Ball for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. That Digimon is. Story Cyber Sleuth Complete Edition is out for Switch and PC. I've actually heard really good things about it's that good. game. I played it on uh, Vita back, well, the original one, mm-hmm. the Cyber Sleuth uh, on Vita, and I liked it a lot. Uh, fun, quirky. JRPG mm-hmm. involving Digimon, which, yeah. hey, I'm totally in for. I'm, I'm not, more excited yeah. about the new one coming out, Digimon Survive. Yeah, you I believe that's the new one. Looks really cool. Yeah. I saw, like, the, it was a very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Very somber kind of trailer. Yeah. I was like, this is Digimon? Because it was, like, a character, like, very, uh, quiet piano music playing. Shit, man. And this, like, Agumon is right there, like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm like, this is weird. Ice Age, Scrat's Nutty Adventure is Get out for hype, PS4, Barrett. Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Are they still making Ice Age shit? I don't know, but I can imagine Barrett loving Ice Age. <laughs> nah, that movie was lame. <laughs> Disney owns it now, so... <laughs> Plans vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville is out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I guess another one of EA's let's not talk about it till it's about, about out kind of games. Mm. Return of the Oberdin is out for today for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Buy Oberdin. Yeah. Buy Oberdin. I had in time. Finally out on Switch. I had in time is out on wow. Switch. Driven Out is out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Jesus Christ. At Wow. Eternal Blade. A-E-T-E-R-N-O-B-L-A-D-E. That's all one word. Two. Two. Roman numerals. It's out today on Xbox One. One. Mega Aquarium is out today on Xbox One and Switch. Infliction is out today on PC. Ring Fit Adventure is out on Switch. You grabbing that? No. I'm picking it up like once I leave here and go to the game. Really? Yeah. I figured why not? Why not give it a shot? I appreciate it. I work from home. It makes sense to actually get Get, up sometimes. Get some Fit Adventures on. Zick Square is out today on Switch. Safari Pinball is out today on Switch. Starblocks, that's a a confusing name. Starblocks yeah. is out today. Starblocks Inc. is out today on Switch. Warbital is out today on Switch. Medieval Embers of War is out today on PC. Moo Moo Move is out today on PC. And Find the Treasure is out today on PC and Mac. Man. Deal of the day today on the Epic Game Store. You can get Alan Wake's American Nightmare and Observer. Cool. So we have some reader mail, but before, before we get to that. we get to that, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Brooke Linen. You spend one-third of your life in sheets. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? I know I do. Every night I sleep in my Brooke Linen sheets. I got a Brooke Linen pillowcase. Cool Greg's been staying with me. He's sleeping on some Brooke Linen sheets as well. He's never been softer. He told me that every morning he wakes up and he says, Tim, big brother, I love you. Thank you for these nice soft sheets. Uh, they have 35,000 five-star reviews more than any other online betting company and half a million happy sleepers, including my brother. Uh, these are luxury sheets, towels, bedding, and more without the luxury markup. Brooklinen was the first direct-to-consumer betting company. They work directly with manufacturers to save you. No middleman, none of that. Greg's Brooklinen sheets are the most comfortable sheets he's ever been on. I love them. Greg uses the towels. We are a Brooklinen family here at Kind of Funny. Brooklinen.com has given you guys an exclusive chance to be part of that family, be part of my family. Get 10% off 
and free shipping when you use promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen so confident that their products will give you everything that you need that they come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code GAMES. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. Speaking of the best, you want your boys downstairs to be looking their best, and that's why Manscaped is sponsoring this episode. Support for Kind of Funny Games Daily comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Halloween's right around the corner, and you're not trying to spook anyone with that bush. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I've been using it, Greg's been using it, and we're looking really damn good. Gia? Didn't quite compliment me, but, you know, I don't blame her having a look at that thing down there. But she, I could tell she was happier with it. Right, Barrett? Why would I know that? <laughs> don't be the hairy guy. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 2.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find the electric trimmer called the Lawnmower 2.0. This waterproof and skin-safe technology will perfect will protect you from nicking your pumpkins. <laughs> and of course, let's not forget about the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. And he's been using the ball wipes a lot. How does that make you feel better? <laughs> Awful! 20% 20 off and free shipping with the code GAMES at manscaped.com. Stay sexy this Halloween. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GAMES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code GAMES. And also, shout out to Escape the Invasion. Have you ever wondered what you'd do if you found yourself in the middle of a post-apocalyptic world that's been ravished by a deadly virus inflicted by aliens? I know I have. I know Barrett has. I know that for a fact. Here's the thing. It's an escape what? room, but it's in your <laughs> living room. They send you a box, and you and your best friends like Barrett can play these fun games together. Uh, you got to check out this game called Escape the Invasion. It's all about immersive experiences, and they just announced the launch of their new post-apocalyptic-themed subscription box. Um, this comes from the makers of Hunt a Killer, the popular true crime mystery subscription game. Uh, Greg Miller and Jen have done Hunt a Killer. Very excited uh, about trying this one out as well. Uh, you'll find refuge in a government bunker. But is it safer than the outside world? Can you trust your fellow survivors? Will Barrett finish this and escape the apocalypse? We'll have to find out later. Uh, not everything is as it seems in this challenging game where you must decide who to trust. Your decision will determine the fate of the story, the bunker, and maybe even humanity itself. Wow. Uh, you get high-quality handcrafted clues in this box. You get to figure everything out. There's paperwork. There's, like, toys and stuff. I don't know if they're toys. They're mm -hmm. not toys. I, wouldn't, I shouldn't call them toys. Props. Uh, the props. Thank yeah. you. That's a better word. Uh, right now, just for you guys, you can go to escapetheinvasion.com slash kfgames for 20% off your first box. That's escapetheinvasion.com slash kfgames for 20% off your first box. Escapetheinvasion.com slash kfgames. Can you survive the alien apocalypse, Barrett? I don't know. I like the idea of a show called Will Barrett Finish This? Mm -hmm. I've not concepted it out completely in my head. We'll but get like, there, though. Don't yeah. worry, Barrett. Don't worry. <laughs> I, uh, I had an idea. It's similar in the vein of Will Barrett Finish This. Uh, a friend of mine and I, and I had an idea. We're, we're at the Senores a couple of years ago. And they were playing uh, Leon the Professional. Okay. And <laughs> neither of us had seen the movie. And it was the last 15 minutes of the movie. So we were trying to come up with what the story was of how they got there. I like that. So we had an idea of... <laughs> Of just watching a bunch of movies we had never seen, but only the last fifteen minutes, and then trying to recreate what the right. that's. In the that's movie. actually brilliant. Yeah. If you draw pictures, I think that's a great idea. I love yeah. it. <laughs> story but then we got lazy out. and never did. And it. Never did it. <laughs> hey, story of our lives. The virtual boy says hello, Timron. 
I've been thinking about crossplay and some of its potential unforeseen consequences for the industry. Recently, it was announced that Modern Warfare will have an exclusive game mode for an entire year on PS4. This isn't the first time this kind of thing has happened. I'm looking at you, Destiny franchise. But the timing of this deal can't be ignored. Modern Warfare is the first big third-party AAA $60 title that's getting full, unfettered crossplay. Is it a taste of what's to come? Will games continue to get bigger and bigger chunks sectioned on specific platforms for months or even years? It seems like a tactic platform holders would try to get. Uh, this kind of goes into it there. Team Deathmatch. Imagine a situation where Team Deathmatch is exclusive to PS5. Domination is exclusive to PS, PC. To be clear, I r- love crossplay, but I worry platform holders will ruin it for us. Is this a valid concern or, or am I crazy? I think the market will speak for itself and mm-hmm. won't allow this to be destructive in a major way. I right. think that it is worrisome and it is something to, to keep an eye out on. But I think that the amount of backlash that they get from these type of decisions uh, is clear. And like we talked about throughout this entire episode, like they're going to have to navigate this well because one misstep will ruin the the view of their entire company and that right. will affect their bottom line and they don't want that. Right. I like I've said this before. My conspiracy theory is that this PS4 exclusive Call of Duty mode is their basically their payment to Sony for having crossplay. Mm-hmm. Because so the Sony pays for exclusivity for Call of Duty stuff, like certain things, but usually it's a couple of months. You can't by nature of like these modes and by nature of crossplay have exclusive maps to PS4 that don't come to the other ones because it just segments the audience like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing there's like, hey, can we just give you a single mode that will come to other stuff later? Yeah. And such a long time to do it was probably their payment for it. That makes sense. I don't think any other, like maybe Sony has paid some the money to Epic for some things, but I'm guessing no because Epic can probably just do whatever they want. But I don't think ed- anyone else has made that kind of deal mm-hmm. with Sony or Microsoft or whoever. If they have, it is probably blatantly obvious, but I think they're going to do a better job in the future of like making sure it's not a mode really worth caring about yeah. or like a, a content that's not really worth Dude, caring and that, about. Dude, that's the problem with video games, man. And we're going long on this episode, so I'm <laughs> not going to go too far down this rabbit hole. But it's just like when you look at these games, like we, we were talking about Last of Us 2 recently, and it's just like it's single player only. They're not doing multiplayer. And I'm like, thank you. Great. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a dope multiplayer game, just make a dope multiplayer game. Like, put but they out. are doing multiplayer eventually. But is it going to be part of Last of Us 2? Is it going to be its own separate thing? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of hope that it's its own separate thing that they put out as a different title that's budgeted whatever it needs to be to, to have that make sense. I just don't like needless modes in games. Focus mm-hmm. on modes. Focus on what the game should be. Don't just keep throwing more and more in just to say we have more and more and more, right? And looking at this, I think it's a perfect example of like who really wants to play these modes. I'm sure there are people out there, but that's not the Call of Duty experience. That's just something that you can do. I would actually prefer... Let's look at Pokemon. Whatever mode this Pokemon game is adding, mm-hmm. um, you can pet your Pokemon and dress them up and put them in the fashion shows and make them win the little awards. I don't need that. Make that <laughs> exclusive somewhere. I don't need to care. I don't want that in my game. Take it from me. That's the end of that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I feel like crossplay, it's still growing pains. People are still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I don't think this sort of thing, like they're going to push the limits like we talked about with monetization. They're going to see what they can get away with. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to level out to a thing people are happy with. Yeah, I agree. 
So Greg from Edmonton says, Good morning, Timron. What gameplay oddities annoy you the most? I've encountered one of mine in Dragon Quest XI. There are quite a few instances where there will be a cutscene, and I'll be given back control of my character only to walk five steps and enter another cutscene. Keep up the great work, guys. I got one. I got one immediately. I'm playing through all these Zelda games, right? Mm -hmm. Had to play. I started off with Skyward Sword immediately. Skyward Sword does the most infuriating fucking thing. Or every time you pick up an item, it's like, hey, here's here's what this item is. <laughs> it's like, I know. I've been playing this game for 15 I fucking know. hours. They've gotten better about it, but Link's no, Awakening they have, still, like, Link's Awakening does it fucking too, where you pick up an yeah. acorn or you pick up the piece of power. It's like, hey, that's what this is. I'm like, I know. I I've been the, playing it for eight hours. When I first did it, it was like, okay, well, it makes sense they're doing this the first time. Then they did it the next time. It was like 50 other times in the dungeon. I'm like, why are you keep doing this? I did this five seconds ago. And yeah. to be fair, Skyward Sword wasn't as bad as that because I think Link's Awakening is pretty egregious with that. Mm-hmm. But like Skyward Sword, you would pick up like a fucking shadow drop piece or whatever, right? Yeah. And it in that play session, it wouldn't tell you again what that was. But then every time you'd like turn off the game and then turn it back on, it just assumed that you didn't know what it was. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, stop. Please. <laughs> Come on. Please, Nintendo. Yeah. And I feel like they got better with that, definitely, with Breath of the Wild, but then they reverted back to it in Link's Awakening. Only with specific items. Yeah. Too. Just it's those two fucking items. Fucking infuriating. That's yeah, weird. Um, I, I feel like the easy answer is just unskippable cutscenes. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Like, you're right before a boss. I'll never forget. Riku, Kingdom Hearts 1. You're right at the end. You just want to beat the game. You just want to get through it. And it's so hard. And then you lose. And then there's like a 15-minute cutscene you need to watch. Mm-hmm. Infuriating. Uh, but the other one for me is is actually something that I, I had to deal with recently in Luigi's Mansion 3 in the beginning. Um, I hate it when the controls change just for a specific moment. Right. Uh, in Luigi's Mansion, you walk, and the default is you're, you're walking fairly slowly, but you can hold a button and then eventually you start running, right? In this one specific cutscene, King Boo comes out, and it's like, ah, spooky shit, right? Mm-hmm. And starts chasing you like Indiana Jones style. And for that moment, you run by default with the analog stick. You don't need to hold the button down. Hmm. And I died three times because I'm like, what is going on before I realized that, oh, I need to not hold the run button down. So they turn the run, run button into a walk button for that one part? For that one part. Yeah, that's needlessly confusing. It's just weird. And I get why they did it, but it's such a Nintendo thing of just like... It should be both a run, like yeah, run however. Totally. But anyways. For me, it's, it's a couple of things. One is the way, so Control had this problem especially, of if you start losing health, the screen becomes unreadable. Mm. Like I can't, it becomes black and white, there's blood smeared all over. It's like I don't, I can't see what I'm doing. This is not helping me in a situation where I'm already panicking and dying. Yeah. Another one is, uh, this might be a technical reason, and it's a thing I'm, this is what I'm most looking forward to the PS5 and Xbox 2 fixing, is... When you die, I don't want to have to reload the entire area. Like, I, I, I'm in the area. Just reload the boss fight or whatever, like, mm-hmm. quickly. Resetting to the initial state of when I entered that room should not take more than, like, five to ten seconds. Yeah. Because I'm always going to cool down in that time mm-hmm. between when, like, I died and when the fight starts again. Yeah. And the third one, this is a thing that's very specific to me because it bothers me since I've noticed it and it takes me out of a game every single time. Uh-oh. When a character is talking... Every sound they make, the barks they make, as it, like when they jump or whatever, should be turned off. So like, let's Uncharted did this a lot. When Nathan Drake is saying a thing out loud, 
when he climbs on top of a thing, he should make a uh, sound oh, because yeah. he's already talking. Yeah. It should either interrupt the dialogue or not like those sounds should be muted completely. Interesting. Because like when that happens, I'm like, what the f- does he have two fucking like vocal does he have sets? Two mouths. You have two mouths, Nathan Drake. What you hiding from me? He has. Where's two your mouths. other mouth? Show Nick your other mouth. Yeah, stop it, Tim. So while Nathan Drake's mouths are squatting up, let's talk a little bit about but kind of funny <laughs> best friends squatting up. This is a different one this time. This is from Jared, who wants to squat up on Twitch. Jared's Twitch name is JR00D. Squat up. Hello, kind of funny games daily crew and best friends. I am a small time streamer who normally streams for an audience of just me over on Twitch. With that said, I'm getting close to Twitch affiliate. I was hoping some BFs could help me hang out and play some games with me on stream. I generally stream on the weekends from anywhere from four to eight hours on both Saturdays and Sundays. My Twitch name is JR00D. Those are zeros. Love the KFGD podcast and everything kind of funny. Go out. I was streaming Resident Evil 7 last night. Yeah. I didn't re- so I never I watched that game I never actually played it. Uh, it made me motion sick like crazy. That's crazy, and you weren't doing the VR mode. You were no, just I was just doing regular. Mode? Like hmm. I think the way so the, that game has some camera wobble mm-hmm. and like how you move, so mm-hmm. that didn't help. But also because when you're streaming, you have a camera in front of you, you have a mic, and it's like you have to stay stationary, which may exasperated the problem of playing a first person game with wobble. Yeah. So that I, I played for like thirty minutes. I'm like nah, I can't do this. I I'm gonna stop. throw up, and I just wow. went to bed for the rest of the night. Like, everyone go help out Jared. It sucks to be a new Twitch streamer that does not have that much of an audience. Let's check out kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. J-A-Y-R-0-0-D. Yeah, J-A-Y. His Twitch name. All right. Let's check out you're wrong when people tell us we got completely wrong. Persona 3 was on PS2, not PS3. I checked back. Yes, Jeff Grubb did write that wrong. So technically, yes, I was wrong for reading Jeff Grubb's wrongness. Uh, whoa. You guys missed Bluepoint confirmed on Twitter. They are remaking Demon Souls for PS5. Why would they do that? Why would they remake it, or why no, would they confirm it? Why would it on they Twitter? announce it that way? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, but cool. Because everyone guessed it, I guess. Uh, I guess. Hell yeah. I'm only bummed because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I want Bluepoint to make Metal Gear or something that's more Tim friendly, but that's selfish. I want to make sure that this is accurate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Check for it. I, I that doesn't sound like they would do that. Announce it that way. Yeah, I want to make sure it's actually Bluepoint and doesn't say, like, Bluepoint in the bio says not official, parody mm-hmm. account. Yeah, there's, like, I'm, I, I don't even find, I can't even find a Bluepoint Twitter account. Okay. So like, we're not I, wrong. I don't That's think it's wrong. true. Yeah. I'm looking at Reset Era. No one's freaking out. Yeah, if it's not on Reset Era, then it's for sure has All not right. been. Okay. So, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> and Andrea, oh wait, no, I'm not gonna read that at all. Yeah, um, hold on. Okay, so I found uh, someone links me to Blue Point's Twitter, and yeah, it seems like the last thing that they tweeted was like five days ago. You, yeah, yeah they're no, fucking around. yeah, they're fucking uh, around. Let's see. It's loot crate, not loot box. Gotcha. Arc Wing says uh, Persona 3 was on PS2, not PS3. Yeah, that, that's Jeff Grubb being wrong. Oh. Uh, Digimon Survive got pushed to 2020. Mm. Also, because, Tim, because you haven't watched Digimon Tree or Try, mm-hmm. they're therefore a fake Digimon fan. I'll take it. Okay. Is that a Nasio Ross? Yes, it is. You You're fake Amon. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, you thirsty little shit. <laughs> Persona 5 Royal Stay is thirsty. next Stay year. thirsty, baby. All right, so Fran next week, fucking weird. it is a me-heavy week, so get your subreddit complaints ready. 
On Monday, it is you and me again, Tim. Hell yeah, it is. Tuesday, it's me and Fran. Wednesday, it is me and you again, Tim. Hell yeah, it is. Thursday, it's again me and Fran. And Friday, it is me and you again, Hell yeah, Tim. it is. It's going to be a fun week. Yeah. Gaze cast Tim Ron, week. baby. <laughs> Tim Ron all week, except for those days with Fran. It's in Fran. <laughs> Sorry for those days. <laughs> Gaze cast next week is going to be you, me, Fran, and special guest Cat Bailey will be Hell joining yeah, us. Yeah, making a return. You can also listen to yesterday's table. game cast where we talk about Luigi's Mansion. We talk mm-hmm. about Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. We talked about Beat Saber and what the golf. Yeah, man. You Good can listen stuff. to that. Fun Patreon stuff. subscribers can hear it today, or you can watch it live yesterday. Otherwise, you'll get it next week on, on Monday. On Monday. So many days. There's so many days to keep track All right, of. All stay tuned for the kind of funny screencast. I'm sure that's going to be flawless. All right. Hey guys, thank you for coming. Thank everyone for watching. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome.